I know people are like listening to this. This guy is definitely getting paid by big pharma because he's like overzealous about these men. They're, they're incredible. I've never, I've never seen anything like it. Hey everyone, I'm Morgan, co-founder of Primal Kitchen and host of the Primal Kitchen podcast. Today, I'm super excited to be chatting with Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. Dr. Nadolsky is a board-certified obesity and lipid specialist and the medical director for one of the largest online medical obesity treatment programs called Sequence. Before we get started, a brief reminder that any and all opinions and views shared by hosts and guests on this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the view of Primal Kitchen or its affiliates or parent company. Hello, Dr. Nadolsky. Welcome. How are you? Good, good, good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm so excited. This like um, whole GLP-1 medication, Ozempic, like trend is just, it seems like sweeping the world right now. And I've been dying to talk to just an expert in the weight loss space on your take on the whole thing. So um, before we get into it, like, why don't you just give the audience a little background on how you got into being an obesity specialist? Yeah, I grew up in a very like educated, athletic minded family. So I used a lot of nutrition, exercise, science to be a good athlete, went and ended up played, playing football and wrestled in college. I was at UNC Chapel Hill, was their heavyweight, did pretty well there. And, but I went to medical school thinking like, I don't really want to deal with like performance. I want to help people take a fraction of my passion and for prevention of cardiovascular disease, uh, type two diabetes and that type of thing. So I, I went into actually family medicine, which looking back, maybe not the right move. It doesn't really matter because I'm doing what I love now, but did family medicine, which yeah. is extremely broad and then specialized down into obesity medicine and also something called lipidology, study of lipid, like cholesterol, triglyceride metabolism and how to help people with those disorders. So I do what I would consider like cardiometabolic uh, medicine, cardiometabolic disease medicine. Cool. Yeah. So but then to further that, I, I, I thought the, the current healthcare system is archaic. So I really like, obviously, the internet. It's going to just keep going the way it is. Obviously, you know that. We're doing this podcast all on the internet. But having to treat people in person and having people taking a, a day off of work just to go to the doctor is just so archaic to me. So I've worked with a few startup companies to then deliver telemedicine online before it was cool. Uh, before the pandemic and everything. So uh, I've been doing that full time since uh, late 2016, early 2017. Oh, wow. So you're you don't have like a practice in, in no, person. You're I'm all, all in the cloud. Cool. All in the cloud. Yeah. I mean, really, it's just like blood work and having a conversation and getting biometric yeah. markers, I would imagine that are pretty easy to do. Yeah, remote. depends. Cool. So like acute care, you know, <laughs> you, you want to see somebody and evaluate them. If someone's like, I got abdominal pain and you know or some yeah. you know cough and you want to listen to their lungs although there are little devices you can put on their back where they're at home and you can actually listen to their lungs it's crazy. it's getting crazy but um for chronic yeah. care like obesity it is made for the internet because there's a lot of people a lot of patients who they've been into doctors they've been shamed they they force them to stand on the scales and kind of feel bad about themselves and maybe didn't have chairs that fit them in the waiting room and all that type of stuff. So people uh, with obesity tend to, at least the, that I've seen, prefer not having to go in. So that's what I do. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So your practice has just exploded online. And like, give me the lowdown. What is your treatment protocol looking like these days? I mean, I have so many questions, but let's yeah. just start there. Like, what do you specialize in now? How are you treating people? Yeah. So, so if you look at obesity treatment or medicines over the course of however many years, it's, 
it hasn't been that great. There's something called fentramine, which is decent. It's a sympathomimetic uh, amphetamine-like, but not addictive, um, that uh, increases your uh, norepinephrine, uh, noradrenaline, and can, can help with appetite. But the problem is it's a controlled medicine. You can't do that online. There are some laws right now they're trying to work with because of the pandemic and all this, and, and some people do it. But in general, uh, the FDA doesn't like that what's called monotherapy by itself. So it's only approved for like 12 weeks at a time. There is a combination fentramine uh, topiramate drug that is approved indefinitely, but still it's controlled. But with the with these new GLP-1s, the specifically semaglutide Wegovi was approved in 2021. Now, many mm-hmm. people know it as Ozempic. Ozempic's the name brand yeah. for type 2 diabetes, but it's really the same stuff that's also in Wegovi, which is approved for specifically obesity, not type 2 diabetes. And it's a little bit higher of a dose, 2.4 milligrams instead of the now two milligrams in Ozempic. With the advent of that and getting a much higher margin of weight, total body weight loss, that's where it was like, okay, I think we should start doing this online because the older drugs, there was something also called Contrave, which is a bupropion. People know it as a smoking cessation or antidepressant medicine. They combine that with naltrexone, which is known for alcohol cessation, alcohol cravings. They combine them and that gets like around 6% weight loss. Not a lot. And there's a lot of side effects from that medicine and it doesn't work that well. So that's what we had online. And with these newer GLP-1 medicines, all of a sudden you get, instead of like with Qsemia, which you can't do online, which is around 10, 11% weight loss. Now we got like 15% weight loss, which is like, okay, it's starting to turn heads in 2021. So that's where we decided, hey, well, let's start figuring this out to do this like a comprehensive obesity clinic online. And so we don't just like schlep, you know, medicines all over the place. There are places that just, you come in, you pay, you get, you get a prescription. Yeah. They're like, here's your prescription for Ozempic. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the ideal situation is we make a comprehensive, like what you'd see at a university where you, you go in and get a comprehensive um, obesity plan. You, you, you see a dietitian, you have fitness, uh, workout plans, and all of that in, in, in being tailored to that person and monitored closely. So our our big thing is we want to utilize these GLP-1 medicines because they're the most effective and give them a comprehensive um, lifestyle plan with it and monitor them closely. So the, the, the one that we try to use is called the Wegovi. It is um, approved for um, obesity there were some issues with stock and that's kind of why a lot of people started talking about Ozempic because they couldn't get Wegovi. So they're just getting, Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's part of this whole conversation. Part of this. Whole so you like Wegovi better than Ozempic, huh? I, I, I mean, I like them both because they're the same drug. Yeah. It's in, it, you should see my Instagram. People get so confused. I wrote this, I had a little article published in um, women's health magazine. I went over all the myths and it's like, Hey, you know, people keep saying this is a type two diabetes drug. And it's like, yeah, Ozempic is technically labeled that way, but it's it's literally the same drug. It's semaglutide. It's a GLP-1 for anybody listening, glucagon-like peptide 1 agonist that um, is in, it just, it's the way the FDA labeled them. So they're the same drug, but ideally we would use the Wegovi just because it's, you know, labeled that way through the FDA, but yeah. honestly... But I mean, that's kind of like semantics. I mean, when we're talking type 2 diabetes and obesity, like these things go hand in hand. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. So yeah, the the issue like is little... it went viral. So this Ozempic's been out since 2017. 
And only now people okay. are hearing about it. And, and the reason yeah. partly maybe because we go, we came out in 2021. So it's like, wow, this is a weight loss drug. Whoa, that's pretty cool. So then, oh, okay. So once they launched it as a weight loss drug, it got all this attention. When it was launched yes. as a diabetes treatment, it was kind of like under the radar. And and yeah. then okay. the manufacture, there was something issue with the manufacturing of the, the pens are different. The way they inject, they're slightly they're different. They're shots, right? They're shots. Yeah. Yeah. Subcutaneous, right. Okay. Teeny, teeny, tiny little needles that go right under your skin. People are like, oh, I don't want to get a shot, but it's like, it's like nothing. It's it, the, the technology is amazing now. So subcutaneous goes right on your skin, teeny tiny needles. The pens are slightly different. Ozempic, you can actually do these clicking and you can actually do in between doses. Not that anybody like knows oh, to do that. Okay. Whereas uh, with, with Wegovi, it's just, you have to go the dose. That's, that's um, the whole thing that's given out. Yeah. So um, there was an issue with the pen manufacturing, which caused Wegovi to go out of stock. I couldn't, people couldn't get it anymore. So then I think it then went viral on like things like TikTok and you know Instagram where people were like, I'm getting my Ozempic now for weight loss. You know, Elon Musk tweets out about semaglutide, which is both Ozempic and, and Wegovy. So, that, you know, people are now and then Hollywood picks it up. People are then using it for vanity weight loss. Like when we talk about like treating obesity, we're thinking we want to treat somebody to lose weight for their health gain. Not just strictly being thinner, which, but Hollywood, you know, oh gosh, I can lose 10, 20 pounds without like really thinking about it. Sign me up. So that's where all of a sudden, you know, and, you know, whether we like it or not, doctors are going to give it out, you know, to patients who come in demanding for it, uh, whether that's good or bad. <laughs> yeah. So that's exactly what seen. happened. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't agree with it, but. And you're using it to treat people who have like truly diagnosed obesity. Yeah. So we have a quiz on our website. If in, you know if anybody's listening, it's called Sequence. Um, the website's joinsequence.com. So if you you go, you can't just go in and go like, all right, give me some uh, give me some semaglutide. Uh, you have to go through a, a a quiz, an intake, and then on top of that, the provider, whether it's a, a, a physician or a nurse practitioner, will look through and decide whether this person is actually, um, uh, if it's indicated and then, and then we talk back and forth if we're like, if it's on the border, cause we really want to make sure we're giving it to people that, uh, it should people be indicated for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so what are the side effects? Yeah. So this is where people are like, well, oh, this sounds amazing. Sign me up, but wait, you know, there's black box warnings on these things. What, what there's gotta be a downside. So these drugs overall are tolerated extremely well. They, it's what makes for a great drug. And I don't want to sound like a big pharma shill. And you can look it up. I always have to say, because everybody's listening, like, how much is this guy getting paid from big pharma? You can look it up. It's all available online. It's the, the Sunshine Act where you can actually look on the um, whatever CMS thing and you can look up Nadolsky. I think I got paid 35 bucks a few years ago for a lunch that I had with somebody. Anyway, oh my God, the, crazy. Yeah, yeah. The the side effects are these drugs are good because they have a huge amount of benefit with much fewer fewer side effects and also rarely any interactions. Like they don't interact with anything other than if somebody's on insulin, you want to make sure that their blood sugars aren't going too low, that type of thing. But Got otherwise, it. people have ear, uh, inflammatory bowel disease. They're on. Humira and all these different types of weird drugs, HIV drugs, whatever. And 
you know, my, my, I'm the medical director. So they come and can we use it with this medicine? And it's, it's pretty much yes, anything, because it doesn't interact. It can change the absorption potentially because it slows down the GI tract of some oral drugs. So you, you do monitor those things, but in generally no interaction. So the, the side effects are nausea is number one, absolutely number one. Okay. Slows down your GI tract. That may have something to do with it. There may be parts of the brain that also it causes nausea. For most people, though, it resolves um, pretty so it's readily. It's like a short-term like adjustment type of a yeah. just kind of body's getting used to it. Yeah, okay. it's kind of an interesting thing. Some people, there's a very small percentage of people that I've noticed that gets severe nausea. Those are the people okay. where I, you know, we try to lower the dose further. Some people you can't lower the dose any anymore. Obviously, if they're on that Wegovy, you can't go lower. If they're on Ozempic, technically you can you can do the clicks with the pen, which is kind of interesting. You can give a lower dose than what's uh, usually given. But if that doesn't work, we can give something called Zofran. There's some anti-nausea medicines, but the goal isn't to just throw them on these medicines, then to give other medicines. I think, right. have you seen that t-shirt that says like, your doctor's giving you this medicine, so then you have to give this medicine to counteract that medicine yeah, side yeah, effects yeah. to then, it, yeah, the goal is not to, to start putting people, I would call it polypharmacy, like just giving tons of medicines. If somebody has to be on Zofran or an anti-nausea medicine long-term, it's probably not the right medicine for that person. So Zofran's some, like the, that's what they give you when you have morning sickness, right? Yeah, A lot well, of like people who have that people, super severe. Some, sometimes I've seen that given, they give it a lot of times for like cancer patients who are having chemotherapy where they're just like, I can't eat. And so you want to make sure that they're eating. So Zofran, it's, it's relatively safe, but it also, that can have some effects on the, the heart. Yeah. Electricity. And then you're just managing. No one yeah. wants that. No, no it's like, I don't want to put people on more medicines. Yeah, no. exactly. So <laughs> yeah. nausea is the most common, but it resolves for pretty much everybody. Very small percentage will just not be able to tolerate. It's, it's very small though. Next most common thing I see is constipation. Um, prophylactically, I have people increase their water good thing to go walking and exercise anyway, but keeping your body moving. And then uh, for people that aren't seeming to get enough fiber in their diet, psyllium husk seems to help. Um, and then for most people, that's fine. There are a few other people that are like, I'm still constipated. And then there's some other little tricks that we can do, but there is sometimes some diarrhea that resolves pretty quickly, but you got to be careful because if people are nauseous and having diarrhea, they, they get something called hypovolemia. They don't have enough fluid in their body. And then their, their kidneys could get hurt because there's not enough uh, flow to the kidneys. Um, and then some, some other weird things like uh, fatigue. I, we see some weird fatigue. Like people are just, I'm just tired in malaise. Very rare, but we see it once in a while. Some people have some urinary uh, changes. Some people notice their periods change. And they don't have a history of PCOS because PCOS could te technically improve if they're losing weight with the medicine and maybe they start getting periods again. But some of that stuff is it's very rare and it's actually not reported in the trials. And I actually, but you know, we have a we have a very large clinic to where I'm monitoring all the side effects. And I actually me message yeah. the. So you're the also you're doing your own trial here. Yeah, and you know we can't publish. I wish you know I, I should get a, a researcher on so we could you know, do a, get an, get an IRB approved, but like I'll message the, the manufacturer that we have a liaison at the manufacturer's going, Hey, is there, if you guys looked at the data and they're like, we didn't see anything in the trials and it's like, Hmm, 
but I'm seeing signals in some some of these weird side effects that yeah. it's rare, but like we have more people in it's our- It's good to know. Our, yeah. So it's interesting. The, the the thing that people worry about is thyroid cancer because there's a big black box oh, warning that says thyroid cancer. And it was seen in, it's seen in rats. Rats have these different cells in their thyroid that actually have receptors for GLP-1, whereas humans don't have these receptors. So it's an interesting thing. They the rats did have what's called a you know hyperplasia, uh, increasing in cells in those specific type of thyroid cells, and it's a very rare type of thyroid cancer called medullary thyroid cancer. Very rare. So it's seen in rats, and it hasn't been seen in humans. They're monitoring it. Um, there's some observational trials. There's data going. It looks like maybe there's a bump up in in increase, but from my standpoint, like. I wouldn't like, I always do the, the family, uh, like if, if, would I prescribe this to a family member and I, I would absolutely prescribe it to a family member. I would personally take it if I struggled. So I don't worry about the, um, seen in rats though, they have different cells that do have the receptors on their cells, whereas we don't. So that's, that's a big thing. You'll see the black box warning. Other people worry about, uh, pancreatic, uh, cancer, pancreatitis, so okay. um, these these medicines, um, GLP-1, uh, they're originally made for type 2 diabetes. They help, they actually help the pancreas make more insulin only in a glucose-dependent manner. So they won't just, if you take it and don't eat, you're not going to go hypoglycemic. Your blood sugars aren't going to go too low. It's if Once you eat food, it should help your pancreas make more insulin to help regulate um, your blood sugars. So because there's GLP-1 receptors on the pancreas, there's there's always worried of, of like, how is this messing with the pancreas? So we don't see a signal of pancreatic cancer, at least so far. Pancreatitis um, looks like with the placebo versus the active GLP-1s, whether it's semaglutide or any of the other GLP-1s, there doesn't seem to be a signal. But I I think it's a possible that when, when people lose weight, they can also get form gallstones. When people lose a lot of weight, changes the, the mixture of the bile. And so you can form stones. And if those stones can go out the gallbladder and get into the pancreas, that could cause pancreatitis. So I would say that would be the worry. Other than that, those are like the scary things. But those, we don't see thyroid cancer. And I wouldn't worry about the pancreas issues. If you have a, a pancreatitis in the past and you don't know what it was from, we don't prescribe it, but like if somebody had pancreatitis from a gallbladder, gallstones, which is common, not common, but that's what a common cause of, of pancreatitis. We, if they got their gallbladder taken out, I wouldn't worry about taking this medicine. So those are the, those are the major things. Otherwise really well tolerated, like pretty remarkable medicines. Any benefits besides weight loss? Yeah. So like, is it showing anything, I don't know, positive? Yeah. So this is something, this is where you start reading these anecdotes and I think they're going to take these anecdotes and then hopefully do studies on them. Alcohol, people that crave alcohol, like and, and want to drink it, the, whether or not they have obesity or type two diabetes, the medicine seems to have an effect. At least these newer ones, these newer ones like called semaglutide. There's some of the older ones called liraglutide, which is a once a day semaglutide. It's younger, bigger brother. And then there's one called terzepatide, which is 
even more powerful. Yeah, but, I want to talk to you about that one because I feel like that that's an interesting yeah, new. Yeah, we can. We, yeah, we, we can, can talk about that, that next. Yeah. But, so there. So there's scenes. So for someone who might be struggling with like alcohol addiction, there might be. Yes. Yes. And, you know, there's receptors in the the way these work for weight loss. So we talked about how they kind of help with blood sugars. They can help augment the pancreas's um, insulin secretion. They decrease something called glucagon, which is another hormone that increases your blood sugar and also de uh, slows down gastric emptying. But then overall, people start losing weight. And so they improve their insulin sensitivity and blood sugars improve. But for weight loss specifically, the receptors in the brain that are related to satiety. Satiety is how, how we feel, uh, you know, satiated in, in between meals. And there's, but there's also an effect people, everybody listening to this has had a, probably some point in their life where they ate at a good dinner. They're full. They ate their, you know, whatever chicken and broccoli eggs and whatever. And they still, they're still craving something sweet despite feeling satiated. Yeah. I had, had that last night. I ate like four Thin Mint yeah. Girl Scout cookies, which we like never have in our house. And I'm like, why am I craving these right now? Like I, I never eat that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I had that last night. Okay. It's so this turns the, that off. The, you were just supporting the Scouts though. That was, yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm breastfeeding. So I like excuse all manner of yeah, dietary issues at this totally point in my fine. life because this is, I'm on like a, this is my like free period. Yes, that's my, right. You know, my perk of having a baby. Anyway, carry on. So I think. So the, it helps with those cravings. It knocks those things out of the park. And I think that's just as important as the satiety effect. Because so people know, and people are listening to this going like, some people may not understand obesity and be like, I don't understand why they can't just, you know, eat. Exercise more. And eat, eat, less. More, eat more vegetables yeah. and protein, right? There, if you listen to my patients, I like interviewing them and doing podcasts and stuff because the, what they'll describe is the food noise. They're like, I know. And we have dietitians that, that struggle with obesity. They'll be like, I know that protein and vegetables, I can fill up with that. But like, there's this signal that it's just telling me to eat the cookies, eat whatever, the Thin Mints, anything, pie, cakes, the chips, the potato chips. And it's such a strong signal. And it's, it's, it's like an itch that you just, you can ignore it. You can ignore it, but you finally have to scratch. So like, think about going, you know, people are working right now. They might be listening to this going, yeah, I work in a, an office and I always call it donut. Dan, I love donut. Dan brings in donuts to the break room and oh, you're, God, you're trying to eat your salmon and your whatever it is. And yeah, donut. Dan brings those in. You're like, no, I'm going to, I'm still losing weight. I can, I, I'm going to, I'm going to ignore it. And some people can, so there's a small percentage of people that they're fine with it. But there's a lot of people out there, they have these strong signals that just they, they can't stay away for that long. This, this medicine just knocks it out. And what they describe is that like, and I, I did a video, I don't know if you saw this, my little analogy to the Matrix, where uh, Morpheus, Morpheus is talking to Neo. And, and basically, Neo's like, are you saying that like, I'm going to be able to dodge bullets or something? And Morpheus says, no, when, when you realize you're the one, you won't have to dodge the bullets. And so then I switched to the scene where uh, he's dodging bullets and then switch to another scene where the, the, the Smiths are shooting at him. And I just, I talk about the analogy where those bullets are basically the food around us. 
And when you get a GLP, these newer GLP ones, you can just kind of stop the bullets. You don't, and you can choose to kind of touch them or pick them up and eat them or not. And so people describe they they enjoy the med- the, the food still. So it's not like oh these foods are disgusting to me. Like they still like them, but they don't. They can choose to have them or not have them. Yeah, yeah, they have a healthier relationship with those things. It's so interesting. It is. <clears throat> it's it's weird. So then and they so just how talk- is it working? Like what's it? What's it doing? I don't even understand. How is it doing this? Yeah. This these, like these, sorcery. These, yeah. So this is where people, when people don't understand like obesity, like just eat less, move more. There are these powerful transmitters and signals in our brain that basically control, like we, we want to think we have like complete free will, but the way that our, our, our brain works, we're wired in certain ways. And some people that struggle or a lot, most people that struggle with obesity have these this hard wiring and strong signals that kind of drive them one way or another. So for me, I'm I'm a naturally leaner guy. I can eat. I just got my I, I did doubly labeled water, which if anybody knows what it is, it's the only it's the way to really know your total daily energy expenditure. And it says I was burning like forty eight hundred calories per day. So it's like I can go eat pizza and whatever, and like you know, and I I'm I get satiated pretty easily. I could but I could eat a little bit more. There are people that are walking around that are very lean that don't understand. Like they have the normal satiety signals and reward signals to where like they can eat a pizza, piece of pizza, be done with it. They could eat a cake, piece of cake and be done. Other people, they just can't shut it off. So these drugs work in the parts of the brain that then send signals further and further and further throughout the brain that make them more like that person that doesn't have to worry about their weight. It's, Again, I, I, I know people are like listening to this. This guy is definitely getting paid by big pharma because he's like overzealous about these men. They're, they're incredible. I've never, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and yeah. so, well, it's interesting you say that because, oh, sorry, go on. Finish. No, I was just yeah. going to say that. Al- so alcohol is also in those parts of the brain. So we don't, we think of like, it's just cake and whatever, but like smoking alcohol, even like other addictive, like things, gambling, shopping sprees, people are starting to go like, yeah, I've noticed I'm not doing xyz as much anymore so there's clearly some overlap in those other addictive like behaviors and food yeah interesting yeah well it's really then like almost kind of i guess though they're all categorized the same right like you it it is obesity could be looked at as a food addiction you're dealing with i mean if it's kind of solving that issue so that's fascinating but you bring up for those who are just listening and can't like see you visually and just maybe don't know much about you you are also a huge proponent of like lifestyle for Mm -hmm. weight loss and kind of walk the talk yourself so you're not just someone who's like sitting over here overweight like just to throw medicine at it i mean you're like big into lifting weights tell me some of the other things like lifestyle things that yeah so so here's here's what we'd want in an ideal world We'd like to go back to what we were doing decades ago, right? We were, we were eating whole, whole, whole foods. We were very active and we didn't have a, a high prevalence of obesity. There were, there, there were still variances in body weight. You know, there's still people that are a little bit bigger and this is related to genetics. Um, I, I don't know if anybody saw the 60 minutes thing where it was like the person, the, the physician who's very smart by the way, but it made it seem like. Hey, if you have the genetics for obesity, you're kind of screwed. And it's like, well, that's, that's not actually true. We like literally we have before this current environment, when people didn't have this high prevalence of obesity and we have studies showing 
you can actually minimize the effect of the genetics with lifestyle. So in an ideal situation, we would have people eat more whole satiating, lower calorie foods, leaner, you know, leaner uh, protein, lots of high voluminous uh, vegetables and, and other produce, whatever. Um, that That's the ideal situation. It's it's and so we from a behavioral standpoint in this environment this obesogenic environment you try to teach people to navigate it right so like if anybody's listening they're like a coach and they're they're like okay try instead of going to mcdonald's maybe you should have and you're hungry when you go home and you notice you go to mcdonald's because you're hungry and you hear it and you, you see it and you you know maybe you can smell it try to have some type of food before going home. So you try to teach these things, or maybe to take a different way home. Um, you know, it's interesting. One of our dietitians, she had to put her purse in the trunk because of that was one way to deter her from going to the fast food and people like, drive through on her way home. Yeah. And people are like, that's, that sounds crazy, but it's, it's, that's how our brains work when it's there and we see it. It's a, it's, it's, it's um, very powerful stuff. So ideally we'd get people active. We'd get them lifting weights two to three times a week. We'd get them walking a ton. I, I, I wish all my patients could walk, you know, 10,000 steps or however many steps that they can lift two or three times a week, maybe four times a week, get some aerobic uh, activity in there and play, you know, do whatever they like recreationally. That's fun. But, you know, we live in this world now where the environment kind of makes that tough when we have stress, you have, you have kids, you know, like we have kids that are uh, really making things tough. We got life, you know, we're married, we got jobs and all sorts of stress. We're and all then, stuck in front of the computer all day. Yeah. I mean, we, do, we aren't working manual labor jobs. We're, we're yeah. A lot of us listening are stuck in front of the computer all day. That's yeah. So I like to say that these drugs aren't like these drugs basically help people do what they already know they need to do without what I would say, white knuckling it where it's like, Oh my God, this is miserable. I'm going to keep doing this, but this is miserable. It makes, it takes and the it's edge not off. Sustainable. Yeah. It just takes yeah. the edge off to where it's like, Oh, I can do this now. It, and it, it, and so for those who are listening that are like, you know, they don't, you don't have any issues doing the lifestyle. I don't take medicines to keep myself this lean. I have, you know, no worries. And there are, there is a small percentage of people that will be able to do it without medicine. But the, if the people have been struggling, they've had the best coaches, they've had the, they've tried the best lifestyles and they know what to do. They just can't do it because the signals are strong. They have to itch. They just have to keep scratching. And then what this, that itch is, is food, whatever it is, um, whatever is causing it, whether it's wiring the brain or you're coping with stress from a young age, using food as, as a mechanism to do that. The medicine basically blocks that signal to where you, you can do what you know is the right way. So that's, that's the gist of it. But like, yeah, ideally we get everybody just hammering lifestyle. But the reality is there's a lot of people that just, unfortunately, like, I don't know, what do you do? Let them flounder or help them get a tool that helps them do the lifestyle. You know, so that's, that's, that's my stance. And there is so much like shame, right? It's like, yeah. then you're stuck in this like shame cycle of like, I want to eat better, but I can't. And then I can do it for a few days and then I don't do it again. And then I'm yeah. embarrassed and then I feel like a failure. And it's just like a self-perpetuating, just kind of depressing downward cycle. I mean, how many like weight loss historically is like you lose weight and you gain it back. You lose weight and you gain it back. I mean, that's yeah. just how it kind of yeah. goes. So I'm, yeah. 
very interesting. What do you think about um, people who are like microdosing some of these medications, <laughs> like who maybe don't have obesity issues? So yeah, it's a great it's a great ethical question. So this was posed on Twitter. Uh, I was getting into it with some of the scientists about like I wouldn't do it just simply because of the um, the supply and demand. So we want to make sure there's enough supply for those who really need it. Now, let's say in I just a utopia of of a world. Well, in a utopia of a world, hopefully it would change our environment. But let's just say the environment's the way it is right now. And we can't dismantle big food and whatever else. So in an, in that world where there's a flowing GLP ones everywhere that's in the it's in the water, basically, um, hypothetically, somebody could microdose it and just lower lower their appetite just slightly and their cravings and reward to where they are. They would drop down about 10, 20 pounds from what their baseline is. The risk of it though, like if you stop doing that, the risk is then you would start regaining the weight just just because you would you wouldn't even think about it. It'd be subconscious. You'd be like an extra little bite of here and there, an extra little this here and there. Your calories would start increasing without you thinking, unless you're in a metabolic ward, metabolic kitchen where they're measuring every morsel of calories that go into your mouth, you know, but uh, we're human and subconsciously we eat more than we think we do. Um, in fact, I thought I, I thought I was only eating 3,500 calories. The test that I took showed I was eating more like 4,600. <laughs> I was like, yeah. that's a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so microdosing. Yeah. I, I, I just specifically for, um, you know, ethical concerns of, of, of supply, I would say no. Now, the other thing is it hasn't really been studied in like normal weight individuals. So is there a potential signal of harm that would outweigh um, any benefit? I, it's, it's possible, but these, these are safe drugs. So like my guess is no, but if you were to come off of it and then you gained your weight back and you say, I want to go back on it, then what we do, what we see is what you described before that weight cycling the risk, and I know people listening to this appreciate lean muscle mass, um, the risk would be you lose weight and a, a percentage of that will be muscle. And then when you regain the weight, maybe a smaller percent of what you regain will be muscle and lean mass. So if you keep weight cycling, your body compositions will start shifting unfavorably, if, if that makes sense. That would be the risk. Whether that happens, I can't say for sure because we haven't done the studies, but that's my guess. Interesting. So here's my question. Like, I feel like weight loss drugs is just like reminds me, I don't know, I'm like a child of the 80s, right? So it's like slim fast. And <laughs> yeah, then yeah. I feel like there was like stuff on the market where it'd be like, this weight loss drug. And then like, you know, six months later, like everyone's dropping dead of heart attacks yeah. and they're like pulling stuff off the market. So like, <clears throat> these are new drugs. Are yeah. they, how new, like, how are we worried about this sort of backfiring? Like, how right. do you wrestle with there not being really any long-term data on it? Or is there long-term data Great question. Because like, this podcast is going to live on for a long time. And if something were to happen, they're going to be like, that shill doctor <laughs> was just promoting the heck out of these <laughs> drugs and he was wrong. He better eat a shoe. So, so Fen Fenfen was, was one of the drugs that you're kind of describing in the nineties, very popular. Fentramine, which is the okay component that's still FDA approved. They combined with something called fenfluramine. Fenfluramine was a serotonin agonist and it hit one of the receptors, HT2B, uh, in, in a way that these receptors were on heart valves and it caused some people to have 
valvulopathies, floppy valves. And so obviously that's not good. And so they took that right off the market. So a lot of doctors were prescribing that. So they, they're like burned and people, people remember that. And you're, you're remembering that you may not have known the name, but that's one that burned a lot of people, patients and physicians. So why, what would, what would make, what would make this any different? Well, these drugs have been out for almost, they're getting close to two decades. The first one was approved in 2005 for type 2 diabetes called Exenatide or Bietta. It was a twice a day injection. Then we had Victoza, which is Liraglutide once a day injection. Then eventually there was Dulaglutide, which is a once a week, and then Semaglutide. And now we have Trizabatide, the newest one. Which we and, still haven't talked about, which we need to do. Yeah, we will talk about it. We will absolutely talk about that. So there have been studies looking at some of these older versions, maybe not these newer ones, but some of these older versions um, that was liraglutide showed to decrease cardiovascular risk in, in those at high risk of type 2 diabetes. And so did dulaglutide. And semaglutide seems to be favorable as, as well. So at least from a cardiovascular standpoint, it seems to be safe. Whether there's some weird cancer thing, and we don't see the signal now, but if it's like Oh my gosh, people are people are getting this, but we haven't seen it yet in two almost two decades of data for at least the older ones, and they all hit the, the GLP one receptor. So we would assume, unless there's some offshoot, Similar. yeah, you would think yeah. so. Unless there's some you can so some drugs can have other offshoot effects beyond what its main mechanism are because of the way that they change the peptide, and so it's it's possible. Um, I don't think so. I'm gonna I'm, I'll put my stamp down that I think. I think overall, very safe, and I would take them, and I would re- recommend to family members. But if somebody's listening to this in like twenty years, saying like that guy was wrong, <laughs> then sorry, but I, I don't think so. Yeah, honestly. I mean, but that's kind of science and medicine, isn't it? Like, yeah. know, everything changes in twenty years. Yeah, interesting. <clears throat> I mean, the risk reward thing you mentioned is really interesting to me because if you are suffering from like severe obesity or even obesity in general, I mean, you're at a high heightened mm-hmm. risk for like every metabolic disease. I mean, they're calling Alzheimer's type three diabetes, right? Like, yeah. I mean, so at a certain point, it's like, if there isn't a glaring risk, there has to just be a lot of benefit that would outweigh any risk we may or may not know. But I, I hear you, if you're someone who's just using this for the last vanity five, 10 pounds, you might want to reconsider or just think, a little bit hard about the risk award thing might not you know yeah. be there for as much but interesting okay i love it yeah um so some okay let's talk about this what's the other one the newest Terzepatide. one you mentioned terzepatide is that yeah, yeah. okay so, what's the deal with this just like the technology this is just these scientists are incredible I, I i wish i could go and work with them in a lab uh and and do this with them because what they did was they these are peptides these uh, GLP one agonists they there's another what's called incretin incretin stands for the intestinal secretion of insulin this is what they called the effect when they didn't know the exact incretins that were in the body they just knew there was this effect because they'd inject glucose into the veins versus people ingesting it and people that the, the insulin and those people who ingested it went higher than if they injected glucose, which you're like, wow, they injected glucose straight to the veins and the in- insulin didn't go as high. You would think it'd go right to the pancreas and, but there was something about it going through the intestines. So they said, incretin, intestinal secretion of insulin. Anyway, they've found ways to finally develop this stuff to where it didn't get broken down as readily in the body. And uh, because regular endogenous GLP-1 that you secrete yourself is 
within minutes, it's gone. So th they found ways to make these peptides where they didn't get broken down as easily. That's the gist of it. And um, throughout these years, they found ways for them to, to stick around longer and maybe hit the receptors differently. And that's where we got semaglutide once a week, pretty strong, 15% weight loss. Terzepatide, though, they found a way to combine two incretins. There's GLP-1 and something called GIP, uh, glucose insulinotropic polypeptide, uh, glucose-dependent insulinotropic polypeptide. doesn't matter uh, what it's called, but GLP-1 and GIP. And so they put these things together, and wow, wow people are having even better glucose control. You have two incretins together that have separate effects, lowering blood sugar. Well, then... They, found, they looked at it in those with obesity, instead of just 15%, which you saw with semaglutide, now we're, now we're looking at more like 21%. It just added a, an extra, it essentially added as much to this already amazing drug that we saw with the, some of the older drugs of how much weight loss they got. So 21%, we're starting to get close to bariatric surgery level, which is, you know, somewhere around 30%. And um, that's what they did. And we... There's debate about how the GIP actually helps with the weight loss. Uh, the, the latest, and I talked to some of these researchers on Twitter because I, I just find it interesting. I use this clinically in patients, but like the mechanisms and the bench research, you know, I'm not in the lab looking at little cells, but they think that the GIP actually helps with a decreased internalization of the, of the GLP-1 receptor. So ultimately, it helps the GLP-1, it augments the effects of GLP-1 a little bit more. Interesting stuff. It just regardless of it, it's just, it's a powerful compound. And right now it's only approved for type 2 diabetes, but I believe in a few months they're going to approve it for obesity specifically. So um, interesting, amazing. Yeah. And these researchers, where are, where, where are they researching for? All, yeah. All <laughs> over the world. Uh, Denmark. Are they though, like, yeah. Okay, but are they like Here. work for the drug companies? Do they work? Who do they work some for? Some of them I'm so do. Curious. Yeah, some of them do work for. So Eli Lilly is is who does Manjaro, which is terzepatide, and there's Novo Nordisk um, who does the semaglutide, and and so the pipeline is really interesting. What they're doing is now there's one called a a, a triple uh, incretin or a triple triple G agonist, where they're going to combine GLP. GIP and glucagon and the glucagon component may actually be the first thing that increases our metabolic rate and may actually get more than this 21%. They're, they're monitoring it. Who knows what the safety is? I don't know. Uh, we'll see when they do their phase three trials. There's another, Novo Nordisk is doing one where they combine cagrillantide, uh, which is an amylin analog. It's another hormone that comes from the pancreas that is, uh, has effects on satiety. So they're combining that with semaglutide. And the effects from that is it's going to blow the current just regular semaglutide away um, by itself. And then another place is doing like a, a GLP-1 peptide with a, a backbone antibody to inhibit GIP, that other incretin. So you think if, you, if, we, if we have agonists that seem to help it, why would we inhibit it? Well, it turns out that inhibiting it also has a major effect crazy stuff. Anyway, that, that one also looks extremely promising. And there's a bunch of other things that they're coming out with that we're, we're I think in the next five to 10 years, we're going to see medicines that we're hitting uh, bariatric surgery level results in a pen issue is going to be cost. So hopefully they can figure that out, but yeah, the future. How long do they have patents on these products? Do they have patents on these? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and do. And how long do patents last? Don't right. they last like what, 20 years, 30 years? Or well, no. So, so, yeah, interestingly enough, so liraglutide, one of those older ones, it's supposed to be coming off patent soon, which it looks like it was okay. like, uh, that was the once a day injection. That's supposed to be coming off patent like, soon. that's like, it's already, yeah, it's already, been, you like, know, whatever, like the technology's far surpassed that now so it's it is like but at least it would cares, at least yeah. it would be generic yeah i know it, it is it's like we're in, they're 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 just hitting they're hitting levels that it's like holy cow it's like you know when you get computers that you had like and now we have these iphones that can do anything and everything that computers had you know however many years ago it's like it's in our pocket it's similar with this crazy yeah i mean this is like really kind of like world-changing, cutting-edge type stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, if this proves to have a very, you know, minimal side effect, a very safe profile, and then you got a huge percent of the population that's struggling with obesity, this would be it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm just curious for you personally, because I know you're a bit of a, like a health nut yourself, um, yeah. moving away from the GLP-1 medication conversation, just some like rapid fire end of the podcast yeah. questions for you. But aside from all of, of these medications, what are you most excited about in health and wellness these days? <clears throat> yeah, I think I, I, I like the shift of people understanding the, the effects of muscle and lifting weights. I think people are starting to understand that you don't have to just go out and do cardio all the time. I think people are lowering the barrier and getting people excited about lifting weights. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about also, I don't think we're going to be able to change our current environment. We keep talking about that. I, I don't think so. So I, I'm interested in tech, food technologies that maybe you know, they may be ultra processed, but there may be ways to then help people eat fewer calories through certain foods. I'm kind of interested in that. And so those are the two like things. Like what? Give me an example of that. I'm curious. Like, well, so you know how like they- Like monk they, fruit or what do you mean? I don't- I, <clears throat> Like so stevia? They, okay. Okay. They've, they've designed foods to be overeaten, right? So like- Yeah, totally. I mean, once you pop, yeah. you just can't stop. So- Right. I'm hoping, and I, I could be wrong, but I'm hoping, and I the idea is out there that they will find ways to then change the technology to where they find ways that it still tastes good, but they're not eating as much of it. Now, that might seem ridiculous because that doesn't help with profits of of some of these places, but I'm hoping that that is a shift in how people think. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a little crazy, but um, I don't... <laughs> I don't think we're going to be able to regulate our way out of this and be like, hey, um, there's only vegetables at the store now. Like, you know what I mean? I think I don't think that's going to happen. I think I think if we're going to do something, it's going to be something like this. Plus, if people need, you know, this medicine to navigate their way through, sure. But it would be nice to have um something like this that would help some other know. options yeah. yeah okay what's the worst thing you've ever done for your own health personally um so like is this like a supplement i i so i did a bodybuilding competition and uh i got extremely lean um and i was like starving so like I, i'm glad i went through the experience but like i I'm I'm worried about a lot of people that go through this and get kind of addicted to. It. I I don't think it's super healthy to to continually try to get as lean as possible. I think it probably has effects on you know obviously your metabolism. I would say a, a lot of that. Health. I'd say mental health. Uh, I see a lot of people kind of addicted to it, and then 
you know, for women, I have a lot of women patients that got into it and they, they all lose their periods. Their bone density goes down because they're not having that estrogen component. And anyway, so I, I did it once and I would, you know, I'm ne I'll never, there's no way I'll never do it again, but, um, I know people like it and it's a, it's a hobby for people, but I think you gotta be careful with that. Yeah. Okay. Aside from lifting weights, what's like a health hack you're doing that most people maybe aren't doing? Yeah, I, I'd say, so this is going to sound funny, but this kind of goes into the technology. So I eat a lot of prepackaged convenient type of foods because like, if you, we're all in this world where we, we have, we're stressed and we don't have a lot of time, but if you can find ways to get healthful foods that are actually prepackaged and that might seem like oxymoron, but it's not. Uh, there are these types of foods. Um, that's what I do. I get very, a lot, a lot of my diet is prepackaged, convenient, but relatively healthful foods. So um, that's what I do. Okay. I need examples. What is that? What is that? Yeah. Think, so like, these, you know, we'd have like rice cauliflower and, and stuff like that. There's like bags yeah. of this stuff. I can't remember if it's bird's eye or whatever the green, whatever. I don't know. Um, I just see them at the store. I'm like, Holy cow. And in, at first they were like, these aren't that good, but now they're like flavoring them in, in ways. And it's like, it's just olive oil and a little bit of this and that with like vegetables. It's like, you have that. And then there's like ready to drink protein shakes. And, and, um, and there's like lower fat cheeses that are like pretty much, uh, all protein stuff like that to where I'm like, all right, well, I might as well do this. Cause, um, it, it makes my life easier and it's nutritious and getting me the, the right kind of calories and that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, we have come a long way in that. We forget how it was just a few short years ago when you couldn't buy rice, cauliflower, and spiralized veggies yeah. at the grocery store. Isn't that I mean, that wasn't that long ago. No. Yeah, we have we have made a lot of advancements just on what is. I think it, you know consumers are voting with their dollars, and cauliflower yeah. certainly had its moment. So I I hear you. I like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well. My last question. I ask. Yeah, I ask everyone this. Um, what is something most people don't know about you? Hmm. Oh, don't know about me. I, I, I like, I'm not serious. I'm, I'm, I'm a very silly guy. Very silly. And they, they might yeah, notice okay. that because of some of my posts, but like some of it, some of the times people get like kind of angry at sometimes of what I post. And I'm like, I'm like messing around. <laughs> like, come on, like, don't yeah. take this so yeah. seriously. Like this is the internet. Don't so, take me so seriously. Yeah, yeah. I am. As people see me as this, like, you know, athletic doctor guy must be like this serious whatever but i am like 99% silly when i'm serious it's like uh you know if somebody's having a heart attack and i'm trying to help them um i'm not doing that on the internet anymore but you know I, while when i was working in the hospital and so, that's a serious moment helping a family through a death or whatever but like a lot of times i like to just be goofy so uh, that's that's i like that yeah my Buddhist therapist would really like that. He's like, stop taking life so serious. Yeah. I'm like, yes, that is a good, that's a good parting word for everyone. Okay. Let everyone know where they can find you and um, your company sequence. Yeah. So at Dr. Nadolsky on Twitter, or Instagram, I think I'm at uh, Dr. Spencer, Dr. Spencer on TikTok. If you, if anybody's even on TikTok, there's a lot of people, but like. Oh, they're know. on, they're on it's, TikTok, believe yeah. me. So I'm Dr. Spencer there, but Dr. Nadolsky on other platforms. And then uh, Sequence, you can get us on social media at Join, at Join Sequence on all our platforms. And then you can go to joinsequence.com if you are interested in taking our quiz and interested in being evaluated for one of these GLP-1 medicines. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was great learning from you today. Appreciate you taking the time with us. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>